Welcome to the Fred Dojo Podcast, the place where pro guitar players share their secrets. Visit www.freddojo.com to access online courses and free resources to take your guitar playing to the next level. Hi, and welcome back to the podcast. This is Angie from freddojo.com, where we're all about taking your jazz guitar playing to the next level. On today's episode, we have special guest Bruce Mathiski joining Carl Orr. Bruce has been touring the world and composing for the guitar for the last 30 years. He has studied classical and jazz guitar and received his Diploma of Music in Improvising, Arranging and Composing. He has been described by the Sydney Morning Herald as the authentic guitar virtuoso. His use of the guitar to become its own orchestra and his unique style of playing bass, rhythm and melody simultaneously has led to standing ovations and sell-out concerts all over the world. Bruce's recording catalogue includes 25 predominantly solo original albums and he also composed the music score for the Australian Geographic documentary series The Best of Australia, as well as numerous television productions for ABC TV and various other documentaries. You're going to love this episode with Bruce. He shares some real gems such as his theory of athletics and pure creativity on guitar and also some great practical examples of solo guitar arrangements during the show. That's the wonderful and unique sound of uh, Australian guitar maestro Bruce Matheski. I'm Carl Law. This is the Fret Dojo podcast, and I'm very happy to have Bruce uh, chatting with me today. Hi, Bruce. Nice to see you. Hi, Carl. Great to talk to you, mate. Yeah, from his home in wonderful Newcastle, just north of Sydney, Australia. Um, so Bruce has always impressed me a great deal with his... Uh, guitar mastery and also his um, warm down-to-earth character that really seems to win audiences over Um, it's a really great combination I must say and um, so I've known about Bruce and first heard him probably 27 28 years ago he's been around a long time wow so Bruce yeah yeah (laughs) A long time. Yeah, since I was three years old, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's me too. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Bruce, where were you born? I'm actually a, a Mallee boy, and for those that um, don't know, that's country Victoria, and it's um, the Mallee is a, a wheat farming area in the absolute middle of nowhere, and it's this quite, it's the plains, it's the, this red dust that's, and it's not good for much except growing wheat, funnily enough. It's always dry, it's right. barren, this landscape, but yeah, so I was a farm kid. And that's where I come from. And it's near a place called Swan Hill, which is in the, on the Murray River on the border of New South yeah. Wales. But, um, yeah. yeah, so I'm originally a, a country boy. Oh, great. And um, when did you start playing? How old were you? Seven years old. I had, um, and I don't know why, mum played the piano, you know, but, um, you know, and she had some classical training as a young girl and she liked singing. And but it was more community singing they used to do. You know, there's no thought of actually doing it for a living. So, but... 
I pestered my parents for years and finally on my seventh birthday I got a guitar. I don't know why I just wanted and needed one, but um, I've always just wanted to play guitar and it's never altered to this day. You know, I play all the time and I, I just love it. Fantastic. And so you had this, I mean, I have to say I have I had exactly the same experience. And in fact, the earliest memory I have in my life of any kind is trying to play a toy guitar and singing She Loves You, Yeah, 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 and being so frustrated that my guitar was just making this tiny little cacophony. Yeah. You know, and I and I remember thinking, oh, I've got to figure this out. And I haven't had another thought since then. It's like, I've got to figure this out. Yeah, you had a similar lot. Yeah, that's, that's an amazing thing. I like to hear that because <laughs> you at least had direction. I had no, I just wanted to play the guitar. And, you know, the first thing I learned was a D chord off the local, the local teacher, which I think was an organ player. He just knew a few chords, but, but I didn't care. Yeah. D chord, how good's that? And I remember, you know, I think on lesson number five, I learned the F chord where you had to bar your little finger across two strings and it was really difficult. I still to... can't play that chord. <laughs> F, it's, it's, a, it's a funny thing for guitarists. F always sounds like an F chord, doesn't it? You can recognise it anywhere. It's just a yeah, slightly it's muffled and, and does, muffled and kind of slightly reluctant sounding, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> yes, that's it's reluctant. It's not, it's not like it. an E chord. An E chord goes, "Yes, I'm here." In the F chord, it's like, "Oh, I'm not really sure," you know. Yeah, as a guitarist, <laughs> yeah, as a guitarist, every now and then you must play the E chord, even if the, the horn players don't like it. You must do it <laughs> <laughs> just for your own well-being. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, you learnt the D chord first, yeah, and then the F chord. Yeah, well, that's good. And so what what other musical education did you have, if, if any? Well, there was there was none back then. You know, as a kid on the farm, you know, I had a just yeah. none. I think the first ever good guitarist, my favourite song ever that I heard was These Boots Are Made For Walking. I love the double bass oh. thing. That, like as a kid and I yeah. just heard that. But I think the first ever good guitarist I heard was George Benson, you know, and I didn't know what he was doing. So as soon as I could play chords and, you know, probably many years later, I'm not sure, it was like, wow, I want to do that fast squeaky stuff, which, you know, of course, is lead guitar. So, but that was a... Squeaky! <laughs> well, sometimes it is, I suppose, but that's what I thought as a kid. That la- that It is, yeah, once you get up and past the 17th fret. Yeah, yeah, I... But as a, you know, beyond the chords, I suppose, because all we had was a transistor radio, you know, I know it sounds yeah. like the dark ages, but, um, mm. you know, so I had that. And when we moved into town, I was 13, I got an electric guitar and then we started to play and it was all back then, um, I suppose, Australian rock bands, you know, it was the Ted Mulry, but I suppose, and the British, like the Rolling Stones and Status Quo, because we could play the Status yeah. Quo stuff and. So that was always prominent too. You know, as a kid, you get in a band. So that sort of took over. But I always still had my nylon string that I loved, you know. So this is the early 70s, is it? Yeah, so I'm a 63 model. So, yeah, we're looking at the early 70s, yeah. Yeah. That mid-70s period. It was all the great British bands that influenced it. You know, we're looking at the Australian bands like Daddy Cool and those sort of things. And Dragon, who were from half New Zealand and... But and it was yeah, just music, but chisel. but then the more sophisticated stuff, I guess, for us was Doobie Brothers, you know, and things like that too, yeah. which crossed over. Mm. Then Little River Band sort of copied that, and so we were yeah. able to, and that was the next step. But but then you know I started hearing guitarists. I once heard Aldi Miola play something. Someone had it, and it was like you're yeah. kidding. And then Larry Carlton, and it's like wow, yeah. what is this? And is that even possible? So how did you did did you? 
work out Larry Carlton solos? Or no, that was it? that was well before I could. I, like as a kid, I went to Bendigo then, which was a bit of a bigger place, you know, because that was just unobtainable for anyone in Swan Hill. Like in that, they would not have been able to attempt that. So at the age of 17, I started an apprenticeship in, in Bendigo, which was a bigger place. And I, I just went to a, a guy that was in a music shop and I said, oh, can you teach me to play like, well, George Benson? And he said, yeah, sure, no. It's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all I knew. So because I I knew the name, you know, and um, but yeah. he said, yeah, but first you've got to learn this. And it was classical guitar. And I, I you know, right. there was no relationship, but that's what he told me. And I loved it. I played that yeah. for a year and, and it... And it appears when I look back, I didn't care what this stuff was, so long as it was moving forward and learning and guitar. But I loved that, so I played yeah. classical for that year and whilst doing my apprenticeship. And if I had a stayed in that town, I probably would have continued on and sort of done more of that. But then there was, I suppose, other things to do and fine. But yeah, it was just a search, and it was always been guitar. So yeah, I mean, I'm very much a sound. I don't really care about musical styles. You yeah, know? just. Like what you like, don't you? It might be Bach or it might be Cold Chisel or it might be Wes Montgomery. It doesn't really matter, does it? No, I, th- I think there's a lot in the intent when you can hear someone and it's like, wow, and, you know, and you hear their essence in that. And I think that's a big thing and that's the big journey you take and it's a melting pot until you get that stage. It's like, what you, you know what, I'm by, starting what to refine my search a little bit and I'm starting to get my own voice within that melting pot of style. Mm. So when you say essence, what do you mean by, like, what would be the George Benson's essence then? Wow, geez, that, I, 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 geez, we, we get esoteric here because I don't know, when I hear him play, I hear George and I, I don't hear him trying to be anything other than George. And Right, I, I don't, so that's what you... Right. Yeah, so, so I, I guess that, and, and it's like listening to, I, I guess, some Latin guitar or Latin music, you know, from South America, Central America, and it's kind of raw and honest, but I know when the session guys emulate the same stuff, it's not the same, you know, it's, yeah. you know, you know, and I've sort of studied, I've tried to work out the difference, and when I play it, it's like, well, I'm Australian, but I try and play this, what, you know, and I'm, I'm pretty um, nuts on the metronome for my practice and rehearsals, but they seem to be able to yeah. play looser, but it still swings and it dances, but when you individualise each you know, musician from that, it's like, well, it's, they've kind of rugged in, but it works. So you can't be something you're not. So you have to find your own, you know, and this is an ongoing um, discussion I have with myself forever trying to embark on this. I love it. And I love listening. Okay, why does that work? That's an excellent, excellent phrase there. You can't be something you're not. But there's so much uh, hero worship in music, don't you think? Like, this sort of we're not worthy attitude towards the, let's say, the gods of guitar and all this imitation. It's like, well, yeah, Eric Clapton's great, but he's there's, there's already an Eric Clapton, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's absolutely valid. And, and, and it's, you know, uh, trying to, you know, and you steal from everyone, but ultimately, and, and the same, I've, I've really honed in on to more um, Latin music, but I don't try and be Latin. I'm, I'm an Australian guy, and if I can pick up some of the accents of the language of, of Latin, you know, and the Spanish, um, but in trying to incorporate into my music, that's kind of my. I think that's that's my truth. Yeah. When we were talking before, you uh, made a very interesting point about the um, 
difference between what you called athletics and pure creativity. You said each one is essential, but they are separate. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, sure. Because you know, it takes it takes a while for me to decipher these things. I I overanalyze everything in a way, but but I find when I compose and arrange, and I kind of put them in the same category a little bit, to be honest. And um, that's pure. These things just come out of you. I don't know whether it's stuff you've heard at some point or you've you know. Um, and it's like this stuff, and, and this stuff goes around your head. You hear these sounds, and it's like, that's how it must be. And then as a guitarist, and particularly a solo guitarist, then it's like, well, how am I going to put that into note form? And it might be like, you, well, it might be you orchestrate for different instruments too. How do I not- notarise that so each instrument can play it? But to get that vision that's I'm hearing in my head. But then to play it on solo guitar, then we're looking at a jigsaw puzzle. How am I going to play the the bass, the rhythm and the melody and make that piece that I want when I've got all these contradicting lines, how can I make that work? You know, I've got all these variances and I want it to then dance and have a rhythm to it. And that's a mathematical exercise to try and put that on guitar. And then once you've, which is such fun, it's fantastic. So now you've got the, the, the piece of music that you love, you've worked out how you can adapt it to the guitar or solo guitar now it's just every day for hours, for months to actually execute that. Now that's the period of sheer athletics that's, and muscle memory. That's got not, the music's kind of been done in a way. You now have to get the athletics so good the music can sing at the end of that, if that makes any sense at all, Carl. Yeah, that's great. So what you're saying is... While it seems uh, purely technical or purely, as the word you use, very good, athletic, the end result is what you d- use the words what to describe as, as pure creativity, right? Yes, and that's right. And at the end of a, a concert, for example, you know, the greatest um, compliment I find you can get is someone got taken away with your music and it's like, oh, you took me to this place in South America or I, I play some Australian things as well that like in the outback some sort of droney type music and no one talks about the scales or whether I play fast or the chord structures and that's the best compliment it's like well you shouldn't notice that it should be just seamless and you actually hear the music you know so if they're seeing how clever I think I am on the guitar or the notes and all that it's like well I've got to get better at those notes because that should be almost invisible yeah in a way, you've kind of lost if they compliment, if they mention that, haven't you? But if they say, "Oh, you took me away," then it's like you've won, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. If they if they talk about the notes or the scales or whatever else, it's like, "Oh, well, that should not be even visible. That should get lost in the music." Yeah, I remember one time this very intelligent lady walked up to me at the end of a gig and said. You're a very clever man. And I thought, oh, no, I've failed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. But, but then, so then there's that great. other element on, on that, Carl, that is, you know, once you go out on stage, you're also then a performer. So that's another hat too. And sometimes, yeah. you know, it doesn't hurt to let the audience know how clever you think you are too. So it's Yeah, people want to be dazzled. Yeah, so, so an element of that is fantastic because that's showbiz and that's great and that's um, exciting. So that's an yeah. emotion too and that's legitimate. Yeah. yeah, and I've actually, whenever I hear you play, I just think, 
Oh, that's nice. Come on, Bruce, let let it rip, man. Come on, let's hear some proper guitar playing. And you always deliver. Yeah. You know. So. <laughs> well, that, I want that. That's too, a dream. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's great. Well, anyway, that's great. So speaking of your um, fantastic guitar playing, um, let's uh, listen to uh, a, a wonderful example of your solo guitar playing, Autumn Dance. Can you s- explain a little about this? Yeah, I, I, this is unreleased. And, and a year ago, I, the, the idea was that I wanted to start a tune and, and you, you come up with different ideas. And I, it's like C sharp minor. That's a great great idea to I want to compose a tune in C sharp minor because then of course you've got access to the two E opens and the B and that and so I did the intro but I ended up in in E major which you know so it it ended up being in E but then I thought oh well I want to start the actual verse with a diminished chord because I don't play any and I don't know of any any tunes and you probably do that start with a diminished chord so the first chord is a G diminished and I hadn't done that before so that was a starting point and then from then on, it, it just developed and it's got a Latin feel, but it's got some classical style composition things in the middle too. It's got many um, stories within it, I think. Yeah. Anyway, it's very interesting and compelling listen. So, uh, yeah, please enjoy Bruce Mathiski with his composition, Autumn Dance.
Okay, that was uh, Bruce Mathiski with his composition Autumn Dance. Pretty uh, attractive composition. A great balance between uh, attractive writing, melodic, uh, nice chord movement, which is traditional enough to sound familiar, but actually you can't, I can't pin it down to any particular song that I've heard. So it's actually original but with a somewhat traditional sound which is quite a balancing act to do um and of course the uh flash uh guitar stuff for all of us guitar heads in the middle there which i thoroughly enjoyed so um so uh yeah actually what i was thinking also when i was listening to that is you use several different approaches like um there's the the drive the rhythmic drive and there's the um, the chord movement, which is you know composition, and the, but then there's different textures that you create, such as playing staccato, playing sometimes backing off a lot, and playing very little, sometimes playing very full on and, and intensive. Can you um, describe some of the techniques and uh, and musical colors that you use to create interest in in a solo guitar? arrangement yeah no i'd love to and gee thanks carl these are interesting maybe questions you can i can talk about this yeah. stuff all night yeah i will and um <laughs> you you cotton on to something else you said it's kind of there's some familiar things and and some um things that are kind of un unordinary if you like and i, I think one of the things mm-hmm. and i tell people who want to write i said don't fear anything if something you think you may have heard before you know that don't just just play, just create, it doesn't matter. And I think that's a, a big thing for composers sometimes. And don't fear playing simple, because sometimes there's nothing better than just F, G, resolving to a C, you know, and don't fear just playing what you hear. And I think that's a big thing you've got to get over as yeah. well, you know. Yeah. But I'll, I'll give you some rhythm examples, Carl. So I'll just play, and, and on that, and the Latin things, if you look at, you know, E minor, A minor, to be B, B7th. I'll play that as chords, but I'll start off with something, and it's kind of a Luis Bonfa from um, Brazil. And I just love that whole style, but I find, you know, and I'm mad on the right hand thumb that provides all my rhythm. I found after listening to some Cuba music, playing exactly the same chords, but anticipating the bass gives it a whole different flavour. So that's kind of Cuban. I'll go back to Brazil. love that stuff so it's that those little differences be in the song you play um make something bounce or it comes back a little bit in its rhythm and and even that in itself the right hand i think gets forgotten a lot in guitar playing it's we all concentrate on the left but the right gives it its own yeah, it, it the gives clever it, notes yeah, yeah yeah i don't want to get into technical stuff but i just as i can see it yep. you're wearing a thumb pick so they, they get this great big bass sound yeah well, the thumb pick I, I converted completely, yeah. and and my my style is just always in transition. And I only really feel the last five or six years I'm starting to kind of get it. The the what I do, and um, and so I went back to nylon strings, and I play my right hand as a thumb pick, which now enables me to play. 
I flat pick with the thumb pick if you and I do the um I oh, like holding it like a regular plectrum. Yeah, and I strum like that too. So I can that's like a regular flat pick and I just hang on to the thumb pick doing that. But then you can play all those um you know, even the style of Chet Atkins if you like. Uh, so You know, so you can do, and the thumb picks then um, totally independent. And also for those, if you want to do the hammer on, pull on runs. You know, you can, so you can play in a totally different manner with that as well. So I found for me, it's the best of all the worlds. So you've got at your disposal at any time, you've got access to a kind of plectrum technique, thumb pick or, yes. or like sort of gripping it like a normal plectrum yeah a flat pick or you've got total uh finger technique as well so you've got both there at any one time haven't you yeah and i've only started doing that i suppose for five years which is um and it took it takes a long time to adjust because the thumb pick sounds so harsh yeah. for a start but then yeah. you know eventually you just soften up your wrist and you adapt whatever you know and you would have found this yourself whatever tools you happen to have or the guitar you have you adapt and ultimately it sounds like yourself. That's great. Can you give an example of another groove? So you did a kind of lovely Chet Atkins groove. You did a Brazilian groove and uh Well, this, okay. Well, this, uh, one. That also with the, the separation allows me to do, you know, the walking bass. And I'll do it over the... Which you can do bass, rhythm, bass... So it enables you to play the melody and the bass. And, and some yeah. of the tunes I play, you know, you've got to bring in rhythm and melody and you're sometimes playing four things at once too with that thumb pick style. So, yeah, okay, there's a couple of things I want to say. So first and foremost, you're a bass player, aren't you? That's sort yes. of the rock on which this is built. The foundation. You're, the first, you're the first guy that's ever picked up on that. Yes, I think bass first. You're mm -hmm. absolutely right. So that's the foundation of your house. I think it is. Yeah. A good foundation. Yeah. So, and the other thing that I noticed then was you played um, Glenn Miller's classic In the Mood, which, you know, is extremely well known. And it's in the key of, if I'm not wrong, B flat, but you change the key to E. And I think this is the thing that where people get really, uh, this is a very elementary point where people get can come really unstuck trying to do good solo guitar arrangements as they think a tune, let's say, if you tried to play in the mood in B-flat, I'm sure you could manage it, but it, it would be much harder to play and it wouldn't sound as good, but bring it into E, you've got the access to all the open strings and also the guitar speaks better, doesn't it? It just sort of sings more. Absolutely, and it gets back also to what we were saying before, uh, you, you can't be a big band on this on the solo guitar. You have to use what's great about the guitar, and that's an E chord. You know, you can't try and emulate yeah. what is with a you know 
60 piece brass section or whatever that else is you have to use what's at your disposal that's great so it's really making use of the guitar isn't it yeah and and the guitar is an unbelievable thing and when you try and arrange for solo guitar you'll get some disappointment it's like oh i wanted to put that finger there but the other finger blocks it but then you'll get some beautiful surprise there's always you know there's a seesaw action going you get ah i can use that open string or harmonic i was going to say sometimes you like as like the what you were saying sometimes you have this really great uh, chord voicing think oh yeah this will go great here the melody notes on top and it sounds beautiful you know and then you think mm, but moving the the chord before that moving to the chord after that will not permit me to do that chord voicing sometimes you have to like sacrifice a perfect chord voicing for the better cause of actually doing a coherent relationship. Is that the kind of thing you're talking about? Absolutely. And that is the game we play on guitar where, you know, and one note will block out the other one and you can't get, you know, all yeah. the color chords you want. You have to choose where a piano can just layer things on top of each other. We have to choose yeah. which color chords. Yeah. You can't do it on one on every melody note, can you? Now, another thing I want to talk about is, um, your um writing um i mean you seem to have written a lot of original music but one of the um one of the uh pieces that you sent me to play on on this podcast is a uh, an orchestral piece which i'm assuming is part of a suite yes yeah um, for a four movement so you like to... can see yeah and so um you wrote the composition and and did you do the string writing as well? Yeah, yeah. So I, I arranged the whole thing for strings and there's brass in there on some of the movements and um, percussion, which I had to sort of learn that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm very... And it's amazing coming from the solo guitar to I had this endless palette. It's like, wow, strings can go up, they can go down at the same time. It was a, an amazing thing and I, I was... Um, I'm not totally trained in it, so I was surprised, but the lines came easy to me, I've got to say. You know, I was, I was very, very fortunate. I just sat up in my studio and it's like, wow, and, and then this must happen and this, and it was kind of, it evolved relatively easily. Wow, that that's fantastic. Anyway, the writing sounds really great. Is that an orchestra or are they hired session no, it's an, it's players a, on that? Or? What, it, what it is, it, I went and played live with the Sydney Metropolitan Orchestra, which is a chamber, I think 12-piece chamber orchestra in Sydney. So we recorded that live. And then sometimes I, I got into brass sections over afterwards. So that's how that worked. And, and there's a little percussion afterwards too. But so basically I, I yeah recorded live with a chamber orchestra and added some brass and percussion afterwards. Oh, wow. What a, it's like fulfilment of a musical dream, isn't it? Oh, it was, was amazing, but it, it was a defining moment also too because I was sitting in the booth and, um, you know, we find that my wife and myself, it was, so it was a big, big deal to do, but I was sitting in my booth all set now to play guitar because I'd handed the music over to the conductor. But, I mean, after the first take, it was like, Okay, Bruce, what do you want the violins to do in bar 161? The second violins need is that note, is it? And I'm like, oh, where's the? I've got to look at the whole score while I'm playing guitar. And I was like, oh no, you know. So it was, it was an interesting day. I had to work out the difference between being a composer and arranger and a guitarist, and which took priorities. And for the day, it was, you know what, the music's more important than my guitar playing. So it was kind of defining as well to realise that I'm just a 
the guitar is a cog in this, but the overall music is much more important, you know. So it was it was an unbelievable day. I love the, you know, the suites I did. I did four suites. They're all about 12 minutes long. And I'm, I'm still, I'm really, really pleased with that album. I'm, I'm blown away with it, to be honest. Mm. Oh, well, I look forward to listening to the whole album. So could you announce this for us then, Bruce? Uh, so this is part of my C-suite, and this is Movement 2. Movement 1 was a ballad, then it goes into this, and it's quite a fun piece. And you can hear some of some of the, the gypsy jazz influence in the guitar playing. There's strings yeah. coming and going. So this is Movement 2. That was from uh, Bruce Mathiski's C Suite, and that was Movement Two, a really uh, atmospheric, uplifting, optimistic piece of music. Bruce, that, that's really great. You obviously have a, a broad range of musical tastes, like like all the best musicians. What what are you listening to at the moment? Wow, because I, I never. That's a great question, and I've never got a good answer, but. I, I don't listen to much music anymore, you know, and I don't listen to really guitarists sure. anymore because I tend to analyse a little bit. So I love yeah. daggy old pop music from yeah. the 70s. You know, if if Rolling yeah. Stones is playing, you know, the concerts on TV, I always watch that stuff. I still love, I love the British 
and I'm talking about bands like Supertramp. I always hark back to Supertramp. They put out a three-minute, you know, single, but then you'd get the album, and there's all these suites of these yeah. different journeys in, you know, and so I, I really love stuff like that. So from that, those rock bands I grew up with, there was album yeah. music. I love those albums. Yeah, we li- we grew up in the era of albums, didn't we? Yeah, and it was important. So and they were different. You'd have the the one sort of, if you like, daggy corny sing- single, which was great. But then the musician, you know, the band's got to speak completely different on album tracks. You know, it was a real craft to put together an album. And you looked at, and it's like that's where the that's where the art is. You know, it's brilliant. Yeah, because we lived in the days where recording quality had developed to a very high standards you know, since the 1950s, I suppose. And uh, by the time we were teenagers, the quality of recording of pop music was phenomenal in production and the arrangements, the behind-the-scenes guys doing the arrangements, you know. And um, and it was before there were VCRs or, or, or anything like that. It was just basically all you had in your house for entertainment was the, the television and the radio and, if you were lucky, a stereo. And then when we we got a stereo when I was uh, eleven, and um, I remember just sitting down listening to albums, you know, and you go over to your friend's place and you take the new, uh, well, in my case, the new like Led Zeppelin album or, or the new John McLaughlin album over to a friend's, and and then you would just sit there and and listen to it. It was an amazing time. And it was just so exciting. It was a time of discovery. And I was lucky because my age seemed to be the cutoff point. And I had a brother who was two years older. So he was in the Hendrix camp, Hendrix and Led Zeppelin and all that. Whereas kids my age, they kind of weren't into music much. And it was like this really, he was only two years older, but it tapped into all that stuff. And my favourite album of all time is um, The Wall by Pink Floyd and Ennio Morricone's The Mm. Mission. So if if I had to choose two... Oh, many Morricone. Yeah, so they're they're my favourite of all time. Those two. That's great. You've got good taste in music. Okay. <laughs> yeah, music with great performances and and substantial quality writing, isn't it? Yeah, and there's so many attention to details when you listen to these things. And there's you know you've got headphones on, you hear things you don't hear, and it's like wow, the attention to the small detail is amazing. Yeah, it is. Okay, well, it's about time to wrap it up. Um, it's been really fascinating talking to you, Bruce. You're a you're a unique musician, and you've really, well, I was going to say, gone the road less travelled. You've gone where no one else has gone before, and nobody's quite done it the way you have. And you've got an original style. And what I like about it is that you combine being an excellent musician, playing to a very high standard, with wanting to entertain people. And not being snobby or esoteric, but really wanting to communicate with people. And I think that's a, such a, a wonderful combination. Well, thanks. Thanks, Carl. It's been so good to catch up with you. It's been a, a long, long time. So, And I appreciate all that because I do like getting my music out and about. And, and I do like the performance angle too. But in saying that, I still like to just do my thing. And I'm really, really lucky. I happen to like a lot of broad stuff and I like some... You know, some, I love to play Sway, you know, and as much as I love to play my own original sure. tunes too. So I'm really lucky that I don't have that thing where I'll, I'll only do this or I'll only do that. I just love sure. playing. I just genuinely love playing. 
yeah so anyway really great really illuminating to talk to you and uh, really look forward to seeing you in in person sometime well that's all for today guys i hope you enjoyed the show don't forget to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to and if you're looking for more resources and more tips to improve your jazz guitar playing check out our website at fretdojo.com see you next time Thanks for listening. For lessons, resources, and free stuff to take your guitar playing to the next level, visit www.fretdojo.com.